listen to them first. Your first, your first response has to be to do the steep listing that we'll talk about in a moment. That's your first response. And then once they're calmed down and they feel like they've been listened into existence, then you can offer to engage in some problem solving process if it's appropriate. So, and, that, and, and, and you'll find when you do this that it's just absolutely magical the way that it works. It's incredible. Welcome to the Raising Confident Teens podcast, where we talk about life and leadership with teens and their parents. This is Rachel, and I'm going to be joined by Hudson, and on today's podcast, we're doing the conclusion to our last episode. Last episode, we had Doug Nall on as a special guest, and we were talking about how humans are 98% emotional and only 2% rational, and yet almost everything we're taught is about the rational side, and we're really not taught how to navigate and process our emotions, or even be comfortable with them. So on today's episode, you're going to get to hear Doug explain the how-tos, and he's going to tell us how to calm an angry person in 90 seconds or less. He shares lots of great info that can really help you with your relationships, and if you want more info after listening, be sure to check out the show notes. You know, we start, we start with this bias or myth of rationality that permeates our society that's just wrong, that tells us everywhere emotions are bad. And then we get into our family of origin. And as we've just been discussing, parents are incompetent to teach emotions because they never learned it themselves. And they don't even know that there that this is there's a different way of being. Right. Um, yeah. And there is. And when you learn this basic skill, everything changes. Everything changes. Have you ever seen it not work? Never. That's because it's the way our brains are hardwired. Right. That's yeah, what the I, neuroscience shows. I like, I, I was reading your, your stuff, and we'll get to what your, your uh, method later, but, you know, like, I remember being taught a whole, uh, it's not that we weren't taught, it's like we were taught other ways that don't really work. That's right. <laughs> like the I, the I statements. I feel. Yes. Thomas Gordon's, that's Thomas Gordon. Yeah. From the 1960s. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, that's active listening. Doesn't work. (laughs) Nonviolent communication doesn't work. If it did work, I wouldn't be here talking to you. (laughs) Right? I wouldn't have written I wouldn't have written De Escalate, which turned out to be a bestseller. I wouldn't have written that book. And people wouldn't be buying the book if that old active listening stuff really worked. It doesn't work. And and when people use those I statements on you, you feel patronized. You feel, you know, you feel like they're being rude and they're being condescending. And it all it does is makes it, it makes the situation worse. Right. They're making it all about themselves. That's right. Right. Again, yeah. it's self-soothing. Yeah. And you just have to, thing, the thing to recognize is that everything that we say in emotional situations, is just, it, unless you're trained, is really unconsciously intended to soothe yourself, to soothe your, soothe your own anxiety around the emotional upset of another person. Do you think that some of this is just maturity, though? Like a teenager, like, you know, like in our house, we're no. always saying your your tone was bad or your, you know, you came with yeah, your body that's language. that's all negative. Is, is tone. Right. Disre- disrespectful, right. Right. No, that's, it's not a matter of maturity. I have par- parents that I've taught this to who just report phenomenal transformations in their children and four-year-olds, three-year-olds. 
where the where the kids are starting to affect label their own emotions so they're showing emotional regulation at three and four years old families report to me that after learning these skills the two-year-old tantrums the terrible twos goes away in three or three in less than three months no more tantrums and the studies show that children that learn these skills early on are usually three grade levels ahead of their peers by the time they're nine or ten years old wow that's awesome yeah it's i mean it's it's how our brains are supposed to work and yet we we're really destroying children's brains by invalidating them we're not allowing the children's brain to develop as it's supposed to so let's talk about how we normally how this normally goes down in a family so so hudson comes to me he's mad about something right or one of his sisters comes to him and they're mad about something he did what are the normal responses that a person normally has to something like that so there are four four basically four four basic responses the first is to emotionally invalidate oh it's not that big a deal oh get over it you know you're making a mountain out of a molehill stop being so sensitive stop being stop stop being a drama queen or you know <laughs> we're, you hear those phrases a lot that's number one in fact i've got five five single, single, I've got five pages of emotionally invalidating statements that I use in my workshops to, just to show people that it is, how pervasive it is. That's number one. Number two is to go to immediately to go to, to problem solving. So, well, let's see if we can, you know, if you, if you just thought about it this way, or let's be rational here, or, or any other kind of uh, attempt to problem solve. A, a third way to do it, a third, a third response might be for children might be say don't do that or that was wrong or you know don't be disrespectful so you're actually being judgmental and critical a fourth way is to uh, become defensive and withdraw and that's what teenagers do mostly because they are they are not emotionally safe they don't experience emotional safety so that's why they get withdrawn and they get and they become uh, surly and don't make eye contact and don't talk much it's because they're emotionally unsafe that's all it is they feel like and, they're not and, listening because because you're not listening right right <laughs> i mean they they're not stupid i mean unconsciously they don't know consciously about this stuff but they're just reacting to their environment teens react to their environments exquisitely and if they've been brought up in a place where it's emotionally unsafe and now they're starting to develop more mature emotions as they move into adulthood and, and you know, teenage teenagers are tough, but and, and so what are they going to do? They're going to self-protect, and they're going to self-protect by going inside and not letting anybody see what they're really feeling, which is mostly hurt and pain and loneliness. Uh, so we have, and then and then we have aggression. So the fourth way that we can respond to emotion is through being aggressive, whether it's physical aggression or just verbal aggression. And those are the four common ways. I can see myself in some of those. It, yeah. it, took, it took me a long time to realize, I would say only in the last three or four years, to realize when my kids come to me, um, they don't necessarily want me to fix the problem. Exactly correct. <laughs> like the girls especially. Like when they come to talk to me about something, that, and I finally got to the point where I'm like, do you want me to help you solve it or do you just want me to listen? And that made a big difference in our relationship. Right. And I, even I, then, you don't, even then, and I teach this as when I teach peacemakers, trained peacemakers and mediators, the first thing I say is de-escalate, then problem solve. 
Don't even ask them. Listen to them first. Your first, your first response has to be to do this deep listing that we'll talk about in a moment. That's your first response. And then once they're calmed down and they feel like they've been listened into existence, then you can offer to engage in some problem-solving process if it's appropriate. So, and, that, and, and, and you'll find when you do this that it's just absolutely magical the way that it works. It's incredible. So the so those are the common responses, and the the and the responses never make anything better. Right. It almost always gets it all almost always makes more of an upset. And for teenagers especially, if you use any of these four responses, you're not listening to them. They don't feel heard, and so they're going to withdraw even further within themselves, and 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 become more isolated and more lonely and more hurt. It doesn't have to be that way. So you say that instead we can calm them down in 90 seconds. How is that even possible? It's how our brains are hardwired. So what the research, so what the studies show, I'll explain how we do it in a minute. But what the studies show is when we engage in this process that I'll, I'll describe, something really amazing happens in our brains. And it, ha it, it, it works with every human on the planet. Uh, it doesn't matter what culture you're from. What happens is, and if you want me to get into the deep science, I can do that. But, uh, but what really happens is that as I label your emotions, I tell you what you're literally tell you what you're feeling using a you statement, the emotional centers and circuits in your brain be become inhibited. They quiet down automatically. And at the same time, a part of your brain that's in involved in control called executive function, the ventral lateral prefrontal cortex, comes online and as the and, and it, it's a it's an inversely it's an inverse relationship in other words as the emotional center is quiet the prefrontal cortex comes back online and within 90 seconds you're back in complete control of all your faculties mm -hmm. the brain what people don't realize is that when the emotional the emotional centers become highly activated the prefrontal cortex shuts down that's why sometimes right. you'll see people you'll see adults or even teenagers and say they're acting like six-year-olds Right. Well, in that moment, they are six years old. We call that because, the upstairs and the downstairs brain here. Yeah. Your, okay. So, but yeah. but <laughs> it's all one brain. system. It's just that right. one one system is dominating another system, and so to calm people down, all you have to do is quiet the system that's that's dominating and allow the other part of the system to reactivate, and then all of a sudden, people can control themselves. So, give us an example how that would work. Okay. So, so Hudson. Tell me a story of something that's happened to you in the last couple of days that, you know, was a little upsetting, maybe. Think of something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, so a, how you had a fight with your brother. Oh, there you go. So tell me a little bit about the fight with your brother. Just a little bit. What are you talking about? They're always arguing about. They're always arguing about the air conditioner in the van. Oh, okay. So. So. <laughs> okay, Hudson. Let, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna to talk to you for a minute. I'm gonna to listen to you. So Hudson, there are probably times when you really get angry and you're frustrated and you feel completely disrespected. You feel ignored. Nobody's supporting you. Nobody appreciates you. And you feel like things are just really unfair. And it makes you sad. So sad sometimes that you wanna cry, but you can't because you're told not to cry because you're a 14 year old boy. And it, the whole thing just really makes you angry and upset because it's so unfair and so upsetting and so confusing. 
And sometimes you're feeling humiliated and embarrassed by all of this. And deep down inside you feel, there are times when you feel completely abandoned, all alone, and completely unloved. And it just frustrates the heck out of you because you don't know what to do about it. How does that resonate? <laughs> you can cry if you need to, it's okay. doesn't want to talk. <laughs> <laughs> Hudson, did that hit home a little bit? No. Yeah? No? You don't feel, you don't feel that way? Never no. felt that way? You're not human. <laughs> <laughs> so, what? Of course he's not going to admit it, because right. to admit to that stuff is to show weakness, which is... He's a 14-year-old teenager. <laughs> That's right. So, with teenagers, if... if if you're a parent and you do this, I would not, I would expect the exact reaction that, that I got out of Hudson. Tip, and what I tell school, I teach middle school and high school teachers these, these skills. And what I say to, say to them is, you know, you know you're successful at this if the young person that you're listening to doesn't walk away from you. They don't have to give you any kind of verbal response and say anything like that. They will, they, will, they will still be looking at the ground. They will still be grunting. They will still not be giving you responses. But the secret is that they're not walking away. And as long as they're not walking away, they're receiving this information. And the more times you can label the young person's emotions, the stronger their emotional competency becomes. And over a period of even weeks of this, you will see pretty remarkable transformations. What if they do walk and, away? Pardon me now? What if they do walk away? Then that's fine. They walk away and you try again, you know, a half hour later. <laughs> you know, let it let it let it rest. Right. But you're really you're really you're really helping them reprogram their brains in a positive way. And they may walk away in the beginning because one of the things that doesn't happen is we don't experience emotional safety very much. And so they'll walk away because they're emotionally, they're trying to protect themselves. They, they feel this, as you label their emotions, they're gonna feel, uns in the beginning, they may feel unsafe because you're like a superhero penetrating all their walls, all their barriers, getting into right where they live, right where they are, seeing them for who they really are, telling them exactly how they're feeling because that is exactly how they're feeling and it'll scare them. It's frightening. Because all of a sudden, all the walls they thought they had built up to protect themselves from feeling emotionally vulnerable and unsafe have been broken down. And so they will walk away. It, it could be scary, but you just keep at it. You just keep at it. So you say, don't listen to the words, listen to the emotions. Yeah, let's go through the three steps. And by yeah, the way, for, for people who are listening, especially for the, for the young people that are listening to this, um, if, if you are really interested in, a, in, a, in, in somebody a little bit more romantically, um, girl or boy, this, this, this works. I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you a story that, that, uh, of my graduate students, uh, young graduate students. It's pretty funny. But here is, the three, here is how we do it. Three steps. Number one. You're with, you're with anybody, and you want to listen them into existence. The first thing you're going to do is ignore their words. That doesn't mean ignore the person. 
It just means that the words aren't important in this moment. And when you ignore the words, two things happen. First, you uh, are less likely to get trigger yourself and become reactive at somebody yelling at you because they're really angry. And two, you free up bandwidth in your brain to do the next two steps. So you ignore the words. It's just white noise for the next minute and a half, 90 seconds. Second step, you're going to read the emotional data fields of this upset person and understand that emotions are data, just like numbers on a spreadsheet. It's information. And it turns out that our brains are hardwired through evolution to absorb and understand accurately, efficiently, and effortlessly what another person's emotional experience is. So we have this ability, but because of the myth of rationality and the fact that we think emotions are evil and bad, we don't develop it. But it's automatic. So all you have to do in the second step is just be in silence and allow your brain, just give yourself space to perceive the emotional experience of another person. And then the idea of their emotional emotions will come up into your consciousness. And then you do the third thing, which is simply reflect back the emotional experience the other person is having with a simple use statement, just like I did with Hudson. You're angry, you're frustrated, you're sad, you know, you're scared, you're anxious, you feel unappreciated, you feel disrespected, you feel like it's unfair, you feel shame or humiliation, you feel abandoned, unloved, unworthy, whatever it is. And remember that we emotions come in groups. We never just have one emotion. So if somebody's angry, there are probably six other emotions that are going on at the same time. The anger might be masking them, covering them all up. But there's going to be there's going to be other deeper emotions under that anger. And we want to label all of them. And you continue to do this process of you are or you feel until four things four things happen. One, you get a nod of the head. Two, the, the, the speaker says, yeah, or exactly, or yeah, of course, something like that, usually with a little bit of emphasis a dropping of the shoulders, and an exhalation, a sigh, all involuntary relaxation responses telling you that you have helped them restore their cognitive capacity with the prefrontal cortex. And then it's over with. Takes about, takes anywhere from 30 to 90 seconds in almost every case. Will they always do all of those things? The sigh, the almost always but but as teenagers especially you're probably not going to it, it's there but it's so subtle you won't see it but if somebody's an adult is really or a small child or an adult is angry you're going to see it. it's a lot more obvious with with uh teenagers not so obvious but it's still there you just watch for it that's why i tell teachers and parents of teenagers you may or you may or not may not see the nodding of the head or the exactly but you'll see a, you'll see them relax you'll see the shoulders drop watch for that because the, the kids aren't going to give you a lot of, they, they're just, because they're so scared, they're just not going to give you a lot of information. They're embarrassed and scared and uncomfortable. So they're just not going to give you that kind of data, but it's there. You just got to learn to watch for it. And then, and then you're done. And then you move on to oftentimes, well, oftentimes, if you just do this, you just use this simple reflection, emotional reflection, the problem goes away. 90% of the time, the problem goes away. And 10% of the time, you've got to do a little bit more. You've got to do some problem solving. Or maybe it's a situation where, you know, there, there has been, a, it, 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 the behavior gives up, gives rise to some discipline of some kind. You've got to do a course correction. I always tell parents, never ever discipline a child until you've calmed them down. 
if you discipline an angry child, they can't hear it. They will not take the lesson. De-escalate them, then apply consequences if you have to. But if you if you take a angry, upset child and try to discipline them, you're just you're wasting your time. Right. Then it becomes a battle of the wills. That's right. Yeah. So even if even if a child misbehaves, you're still going to de-escalate them. You're still going to listen them into existence. You're still going to validate their feelings. And then once they're calmed down, you can sit down. And, and the child will take the discipline a lot better <laughs> calm than, than angry. Right. And it's a lot faster. I mean, you can have a raging argument with a child, whether it's a small child or a teenager. It can go on for 10 or 15 or 20 minutes. My process, you use this process that I'm talking about now, the whole thing's over with in a minute or two, two minutes at the most. Hmm. So save yourself time, pain, and aggravation. <laughs> now, for the kids, for the, for the young people that are listening, let's suppose that you're in a social situation. And oftentimes the social situations can be very awkward. You don't know quite what to say, especially with, if you're dealing with, with uh, people of, of opposite sex, different genders. And you don't know what to say to them, and you're, it's awkward. And then, I mean, that's just part of growing up, being, learning how to navigate all that. Here's the trick that will make it so much easier listen to the emotions and simply reflect back the emotions. So when somebody's talking to you, you simply reflect back with a couple of simple words, just what they're feeling in the moment. Oh, you're really happy. Oh, you're really excited. Oh, you're really proud. Or if it's, if they're exhibiting some kind of a negative, more negative emotion, you say, oh, you're really sad. You're really frustrated. Just little simple phrases like that. If that's all you do to respond to your friends, or in your peer groups in school, you will be amazed at what happens. You will be amazed at what happens. People will be so loyal towards you. They will want to be around you because you are listening them into existence. You're creating emotional safety for them that they've probably never experienced before. And they will really want to be around you a lot. Sometimes it gets to be a problem, <laughs> you know, I mean, we've seen this in the prison work where, where when we teach our inmates, our incarcerated people, how to do this and they start using the skills, the, 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 uh, the other inmates are so thirsty for validation that they will glom on to our students and we <laughs> warn them of this ahead of time. They said, you have to use discernment here. Don't, don't do this when you don't want people to really be attracted to you because they will be. And that, uh, I, and every year, when I teach my graduate courses at Pepperdine, you know, I always tell the young women, after I teach them these skills, it's usually on a Friday. I say, okay, you're, I know you're all going out drinking tonight, and you're all going to try this, but, but I'm just going to warn you, if you do this on guys in the bar, be prepared for, to get a crowbar to get rid of them. You're going to have to pry them off of the crowbars. And of course, they, they never believe me. And so the next morning, because I teach intensives, they come back in, and some of them are a little hungover, and we start listening to the stories of what happened in the bars the night before. And it just went exactly as predicted. The affect labeled, and the guys immediately fell in love with them, and they couldn't get rid of them. That's interesting. It it's uh, like yeah, our, because we're so craving someone to uh, see we're us. We're craving this connection. Yeah. To be known. To be known. Yeah. We Because we, 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 we are not validated. We're not listened to. We're not heard. So not only is this a skill to calm down angry people quickly. Yeah, is this true in every culture? Yes. 
Yes, I would. I had I had questions about that. One of my students is an associate associate professor of English literature at Sheikh Massoud University in the Sultanate of Oman, in the Middle East, and she's been teaching her Muslim students, college students, these skills using and the base, basically the way she teaches it, so as to not run afoul of the authorities, is to have them read. You know, they're reading, studying English literature, and she will have them actually ethic label. The emotions of the characters and then she'll ask them to analyze what do you what emotions do you think the author was trying to elicit here and actually have them reflect reflect out the emotions in the literature and that way they learn how to ethic label and she reports amazing results with her with her with her uh, muslim students and she and her husband went on vacation and they went to uh, sri lanka and and that's a very it's a multicultural country and she said that she was ethic labeling all over the place just to see what would happen and said even people that didn't understand english very well maybe they had 50 words of english they still responded in exactly the same way mm. and i've had students i've had four uh students asian students in my graduate classes mostly from china and they go back and start ethic labeling in either mandarin uh, or cantonese and they say it's it's amazing how it works, and it's not surprising because it's it's evolutionary. It's how our human brains are designed, so it really doesn't matter what the culture is, as long as you're using culturally appropriate words, and you're using cultural discernment, it it still works. So once we start doing this um, in our relationships, will the other person naturally start doing it back? Children do it. And other people might, they might, you know, I, you really do have to be taught this, obviously, it's not, it's counterintuitive to what you think is going on. But yes, if you model, you know, as a parent, Rachel, that what you model is what you get. Right. So if you start, start ethic labeling your kids, they're going to start modeling it. They'll see what you're doing unconsciously and start modeling it back to you. Especially true for young children, but it's true for, for all people. Well, I would love to sit here and talk to you for like three more hours, but I know we can't do that. <laughs> I know it's fun, huh? Is there anything else you would like to add? Um, anything else that I would like to add? No, I, 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 I guess I'll just say that this is a foundational skill of life that I've discovered and that I'm now teaching worldwide. And all I can say is that the best way to, to discover whether or not this works or not is to go out and try it and try it on each other or go to, if you're out at some place at a store or a restaurant or a Starbucks, try it on strangers, serving people in the service industry. They are really stressed right now. And if you just say to them, wow, you look really stressed and upset, watch the response. Or at Starbucks, you go to Starbucks for coffee or chocolate or something, and you and and you say to the barista taking your credit card, you say, "Oh, you look really happy today." Just little one-word throwaways like that, and just be the silent observer. Put your lab coat on. All these people are your lab rats, and just experiment and practice it in really safe situations where if you make a mistake, you won't embarrass yourself. And just do that for a week or two. Try to challenge yourself to listen to us listen to a stranger's emotional experience 
at least three or four times a week for three or four weeks and just watch yeah. what happens. I, I know this works actually. Cause I, cause I, before, before I even found you like a couple of weeks ago, we were traveling, um, on an airplane and we, you know, we're going to get on the plane. And I said to the stewardess, you know, you look so tired yeah. and you could just see her like, someone sees, you know, someone understands I'm, you know, I'm given a lot and I'm exhausted, you know, and I, and I did it the other day at a restaurant too. And it's just like, yeah, it's just like, they feel like they're being validated. Even if it's a negative emotion, you know, we don't normally want to validate people's negative because we don't want to like admit we're, you know, not the best. That's right. I mean, it goes back to that bias of bias of the myth of rationality. So for, for your family, Rachel and Hudson, you got Hudson, you got brothers and sisters. I challenge you to start listening to emotions. Even, even when there's no upset, but people and, and everybody just sort of in their normal daily lives, start listening to and reflecting their emotions, everybody's emotions, and just see what happens over the next month. And then email me and tell me what happened. <laughs> hey, I have, I have a, a question here. Of course. I know that you have a PDF that you give out called How to Calm an Angry Person. Right. Would, would it be all right if we put that in our show notes for the, for the listeners? Yeah, I actually, I'm going to create a page for you. Um, it's going to, and let me give you the, the page URL so that anybody that's listening can get an access, they can get access to a free ebook. Awesome. Or you can put the PDF up on, the, on there too, but you can get a free ebook. You can buy my book. You can buy my video course, how to call, how to deescalate my video deescalate course. And if you want to really go deep with this, you can, you can buy my emotional competency courses all online. Okay. And, and, and so I create, I've created a page it's, and my website is dougnoll.com, but the, I'm using a, a, a different link for this. It's called dougnoll.co.com.co slash confident teens. Awesome. That'd and awesome. it, it, you put that in the show notes and that way anybody who's listening who wants to learn more about what we've been talking about and wants some, some additional resources that'll take you to my website and that particular page will have the res- some immediate resources that can help you get started with this. and then you can from there you can go into the west of the rest of the website and there's a ton of resources yeah, there's so much good free information on there and it's yeah. like um and I know that we've done this really quickly, so a lot of people will be like, I really don't understand how it works. So if you go right. on there to that page, you can really just read some of the stuff and say, oh, that's what they were talking about when they said, exactly. um, just, listen just, to And go back and re-listen to the podcast Yeah. and just listen to it over and over again, because the, we went pretty deep today and, and covered a lot of material. So it's worth listening, listening to this podcast a couple of times and then go to the website and you'll find the materials that will help you develop these skills and it will change your life. It has changed the lives of every person that I've ever taught from people, from murderers in, in maximum security prisons to senior analysts at the Congressional Budget Office who needed, wanted to be trained how to deescalate members of Congress. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah, and it works. I mean, it works, it works everywhere. Stop, it stops prison violence and it, uh, you know, the people that my students in the Congressional Budget Office have managed their relationships with members of Congress a lot better than they used to. That's amazing. So if you guys want these resources, we're going to have a link in the show notes uh, where you can just click on it and find them all right there. 
Thank you so much for being our guest today, Mr. Doug. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me, Hudson. I really enjoyed the conversation, and I'm always interested in trying to get the word out to help people live happier, more fulfilled, satisfied, complete lives. And, and so you guys have contributed greatly to that effort. Thank you so much. Yeah, I feel like I feel like this is something so simple. Like, why aren't we? Why did we not know this? You know, know. but but you know better. You do better. And, That's right. And you know, you can't beat yourself up for stuff you don't you didn't know. But now you know. Right. So there's no excuse. So, there's no excuse for not going forward. Right. Yeah. Yes, and I think this could make a huge difference in the lives of a lot of families. Just learning Absolutely. how to listen to each other better. Um, Absolutely. And just a reminder, our new book, I Am Not Your ATM, A Practical Plan for Teaching Your Teen to Manage Money, is now out. We've been getting great reviews on it. You can find it at most online book retailers, so be sure to check it out. Have a great week. Bye.